welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy, nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me, as always, is Bensley. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. What are we jumping into this week, Trevor? Game design. <gasps> Just blow what? your mind. Never. Video games are for nerds. We're nerds. No, literally like the little Wonka lollies. Ah, oh, the Wonka lollies. Yeah, yeah they're the only- They're awesome. That- it's only, only them that are acceptable to play video games. Uh, I'm I think- lucky I've got a packet here. <laughs> that would be- That would have been really weird if you actually did, because <laughs> what 40-year-old- Because I've got one too. What 40-year-old <laughs> has a random packet of nerds next to them? Both of us. No. Uh, so- I have some in the cupboard. I could go get them, but I'm not going to. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to play Click Pitch- this is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us. And on the count of three to one click, we're going to get a fresh set of words. We'll each get an adjective and noun because this is ramped up click pitch. And uh, we'll throw them at each other. Come up with an improvised game design for your pleasure. And then uh, when that kind of runs its course, we'll do it again. Mm. Yeah. Let's jump in. Okay. I have blessed reputation. Pat. Startle and blessed reputation or reputable? Yes. Did you say reputation? Reputation. Okay. Um, Pat Startle makes me think of of pets, like patting something and mm-hmm. and postman pet, Pat and it's like a white cat. Yeah. Uh, are we are we license? Are we going to license a postman Pat game? Make a license postman Pat game. I kind of like the idea of, of a Postman Pat game where he kind of gets startled by the fact that he's actually been delivering body parts all over the town. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, wait. We might get there. We might get there. Okay. Okay. Let's- let's Second let's, act. <laughs> yeah, let's start at- Let's start at first principles. Uh, Postman Pat, I think Starling then comes in because he- Like, there are pet- Like, there are dogs. Like, Postman have- uh, uh, vicious pets that they might have to go up against. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he's got his black and white cat for, as bait. As bait, not just as protection. Throws it, o- throws it over the fence, and then goes up and hands in the um, <laughs> so, hands, okay. hands over the mail, and then goes back goes back into his van, and there's a really beaten up cat there, and he puts it in the back and gets out a new one. <laughs> just got an endless supply of fly of black and white cats. Yeah. I, I kind of like the idea of just a a game where the challenge is delivering the mail. And look, that could be part of it. Part of the challenge is- Don't deliver the blood-soaked packages. You know that that's not the right thing to do. Well, again, Acts 2, like your first act is just- It's just regular mail and the challenge is there. It's like you can choose to maybe throw it from a distance. You're going to get your aim right. If there are dogs, then maybe you use your cat as bait. You oh, know. It, is, it is so the, uh, the 3D representation- of Paperboy, mm-hmm. but it's a licensed Postman Pat game where you also get to use your cat as bait. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You've got your little red posty vehicle, right? Yep. Yep. It's been a while. I don't, my kids are never particularly into Postman Pat. Um, I don't think my son was either. It's just well, I, in my head. Because I feel like for us, it was just, it's just been around on TV and stuff, but now everything's streaming. I don't. I just haven't seen it show up. It's maybe on like iView or something. Anyway, uh, no, it's probably on BBC or something. Because- yeah, well, exactly. You going through that? Is there some story then that's be- that's coming up throughout that first act as well? Where you're learning the people in the neighbourhood, perhaps. Um, I think 
there's something going on with, like, the church in the village. Um, uh-huh. Yes. Bringing hence, blessed into it. Hence yep. blessed. Yep. Um, and the reputation of the local church has, has actually been going down until something happens at the end of the first act. I think that there's, there's like, this, this sort of, like, um, you know, bleeding statue sort of- m- big event that is sort of mm-hmm. coming. It's like, oh, our church is blessed with- Okay. Yeah, that's fun. So, because that, that like, being- this sort of post and pad is set in, like, a small British town or whatever, town, or like, yeah. Scottish or something, like, up in the, in the Highlands or something. Yeah, it's, like, one of, one of those little, little English towns. Uh, so, I get a very hot fuzz sort of vibe then of oh, yeah. Yeah. the church and uh, the small town like that. So, that could be now, fun. Now, you're just giving away the third act in which he runs around, you know, doing jump kicks at old Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping over fences and- Falling over them. Um, God damn, I love that film. <laughs> it's so good. I I like the Hot Fuzz inspiration, essentially Hot Fuzz crossed with Postman Pat. Um, and yes, I think at the end of the first act, you know what was a what was a small sleepy town where he's you know you you've got to know a lot of the you know your regular the people on your route and the sort of more the personalities of the town. Then yes, this this thing happens and. Maybe it even cuts to like three years later, and because of the tourist traffic and stuff for this uh, this church thing, like everything's changed. So, so much busier, more people moving in. The place is essentially gentrifying and like turning into a tourist town. And so maybe it is this thing of there's, and again in, with that hot fuzz inspiration, someone is trying to scare off all the tourists in some way by whether they're murdering people and yeah, like. Posting body parts, yep. um, and you get brought into this. You get wrapped up in it because, of course, you are the one actually handling these packages. Yeah, because uh, the police sort of take you down to the station and say, why have you been delivering these body parts all over town? Like, who gave them to you or who did you kill? And what's with all these dead cats in the back of your van? Like, you're just weird <laughs> postman cat. Uh, yeah. I mean, he he's he's got a really nice exterior, Postman Pat, but I don't know. He's seen some shit. He's seen like, some shit. I, I I swear that you know he's probably fought in a couple of wars. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just seeing that you know he's he's definitely like was maybe in you know the first Gulf War or something like that, or or yeah. even he's settled down now as a you know. Mid forties, fifty year old man. Mm-hmm. Is it about right? I think it's about right for that time. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's, in, it's like the Simpson- t- Simpsons. He just keeps on, you know, like in ten years he will have he, he will have fought have just in Afghanistan been at, or something. Been in the Second Gulf War and you know yeah. fought in Afghanistan and all this sort of stuff. Like yeah, sure. Basically, there's there's just always keeps on a fucking forward. occupation or war going on that we can. You know, uses a story beat for- He just stays the same age. People with PTSD. The wars, the wars change. Oh, very deep. Very deep. It's like the opposite of- uh, Matthew, Matthew McConaughey's McConaughey. role. <laughs> From Dazed and Confused. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I stay the same age and the wars get older. <laughs> the wars keep coming. Uh, and so, yeah, let's let's let's- Move to a gameplay point of view then, because I, I want to sort of, I want to get at least a, a sense of how this game plays out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in any particular act. 
Uh, so I am thinking kind of a- like Maybe how- a Simpsons hit and run sort of thing where you- Oh, okay, You're doing yeah. like little missions. It's not so much- Not as uh, wacky. It's not as wacky. No, I'm talking more about that that idea of its missions and you can get out of the- out of a car yeah, and essentially you know, do, you, do your things. Essentially but a small it's not cartoonish- a, It's not an open world sort of thing. It's sort of like each each chapter there's like a mission of drop the package off off at these seven places mm. or, you know, drive here and get, you know, 13 cats taken to the vets and then, um, <laughs> you know, drive to the sweat lodge and make sure that, you know- That old um, man Harry- has got out of the spa, or yeah, hasn't passed out again from from dehydration. Um, yeah, no, I, I like that as a se- sort of a semi-open world, almost like gated areas with with some missions in between. Like you just you get to know. Again, it can be a fairly small town, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and I think getting to know that small town fairly intimately um, will help. Do you think that Postman Pat is married? Uh, I mean, he's married to policewoman Polly. Oh, okay. So, I don't think they ever had kids. And I think it comes back to something happened during the war and mm. he's sterile and they can- and they can't have natural kids and they decided they're not going to have they're not going to adopt, they're just going to accept that that's the way that they are. But I kind of give give I think that gives a bit of a an extra story beat that you can sort of, you know, have that have that discussion as to they're getting older but they've got no one to share their love with. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And the cats um, keep on seeming to change because sometimes they like Policeman Polly and sometimes they don't. And so she like knocks them off? No, no, no. She just, she finds it a bit weird. It's kind of like the prestige, you know, how- Oh, um, I see. She thinks it's one cat. It's one cat. She thinks yeah. that Postman Pat has just had this one cat for a really long time. But we as the player know it's an endless cycle. Because he uses them as bait. Gotcha. She definitely just calls him Postman Pat as well. Like the, oh, full, yeah. the full name all the time. Like there's a, there's a deleted scene um, that was like a hot coffee mod that you know, <laughs> it was left on the disc ac- accidentally. Um, but it's just sort of like a close up shot of just the door, the bedroom door. Uh-huh. And, and you, you just- hear her just saying, oh, Postman Pat right there. Right, right there, there, Postman Pat. Deliver your package right into my slot, <laughs> Postman Pat. <laughs> All right, I think let's move on from that one. What words do you have, Trevor? Hardy football. Hardy? Like yeah. A, okay. I have coupled cook. I mean, I think of Hardy and I think the Hardy boys, like old mystery okay. sort of like co-op mystery to do, to do with football. Yep. All right, well- Cooking. Well- I was going to take that because I like that idea and, and to not sort of uh, dilute that idea too much. It's the Cook siblings. Okay. Yep. Solving mysteries. They're like yep. 13 years old. Yep. Uh, in England, because I, I like the idea of football being soccer. Yes, I was thinking that too. Fuck, like, I don't care about AFL. Wrong sort of yep. culture for- I mean, there's some pretty toxic stuff in soccer slash football culture too, but yes. Set in the UK- uh, the Cook siblings. Let's just let's make him a brother and a sister. Yep, and they're solving what, crimes. What What is the crime to do with the football? The local football club. I mean, is this one of these things where it starts with like a small thing of like who kicked the football through the window of you know 
to school uh, because yeah. no one and, else was no one was no even, one was playing. No one was scheduled to play football that day. No one saw anybody. But you mm-hmm. know, they got into school on the Monday, and there was a football that had been kicked through, you know, the principal's window or something. Ooh, that that's not a good window to kick a ball through. Yeah, well, I mean, you, and you it do became, that, the student's going to get in trouble. Like, yeah, but they need to know which student did it. So yeah. they called on the cook siblings, <laughs> the cooks. Yeah. The cooks. Too many cooks. Yeah. <laughs> Just enough cooks. So, I love the the vibe of that, the aesthetic. It's very much- Well, the, Hard- no, the Hardy Boys were American, weren't they? So, this- Potentially. I, I mean, it's fine. I'm not- Yeah. I- I'm just picturing- I'm picturing, I guess, like, the famous five and stuff, because I think they were British then. Yeah, because they ain't enlightened. Yep. Yeah. That sort of vibe as well. Just that, like, quaint- This is another quaint English village, essentially. <laughs> um. Oh no, no! I think I think this is like um, set in the eighties um, in the suburbs of of London. So okay, you know, it's a little bit bit different. Well, it's not Postman Pat's bit different. Little it's village. not Postman Pat's little village, and like you know, you can only go so far. This yeah. is sort of like a sprawling sprawling city, but you don't really get to explore it that much because you you only got your little locations that you're going to. Yeah, of course. Um, I like the idea that their base is like. Their treehouse. Yep. And classic. It's, classic. It's not it's not that pretty. It's kind of run down, but you know, it's it's there. Well let's let's dig into let's dig in a bit then to their sort of backstory then. Uh this so they're siblings. I said they're thirteen, but they're not they're probably not twins necessarily. I mean no, they could I, be. I like but- the idea that they're fraternal twins. Okay. Um because then you know you you can then have like the younger the younger sibling and then the couple of older siblings that they've got as well and they're they're sort of like at least they have each other yeah they're the they're, they're middle children together essentially so yeah. they they this is how they deal with their middle child syndrome where they're mostly ignored mm-hmm. by their family um that sounds like you've got twins that are right in the middle does that happen often do you do you want to do you want to talk about it <laughs> Wait, I have twins? I've been ignoring them for so long. Uh, no, look, it's a concern. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that aesthetic. Do you think, is this a, uh, what's the sort of family situation like then? Is is there, is this a broken family? Is this a a strong family support? Um, I, th- I think it's maybe, maybe a-, a- a story where the father has sort of lost his job. It's sort of like in the eighties, there was a little bit of a, you know, a recession pr- and that yeah. sort of stuff. So, um, and basically the, the mums had to sort of like take up a job in the laundry or something like that. And, you know, it doesn't pay super well. They've got four kids mouths to feed, you know, they're doing their best and the dad's kind of bit down in the dumps, you mm. know, because he's lost his job and, you know, he's out there looking, but there's just nothing. Yeah. Look, and, and I think, so it's I think that's the stress there. I think that's fine. We're sort of leaning a fair bit into the tropes of the the genre in that way, but that's a, all right because I think it's a it's a nostalgic kind of feel to the the little the teen detectives sort of vibe. Um, yeah. It will be interesting to see if we can subvert some of that as we go, and whether that makes well, sense. Well, I, I think you can almost um, you know sometimes show through what they're seeing. So okay. you can maybe play with the color grading, and I've I've been looking at how you can do these sort of things in in video stuff, where you can like have it really nice and warm, and you know it's sort of like this is what they're seeing, and they're seeing this you know wonderful treehouse, and then like at some stage it sort of 
you know, one of the siblings comes in and all you see is like a really dull, you know, lifeless blue, blue sort of palette that well, we did, feels and we very did so- cold and We empty. did something like that a few weeks ago um, with one of our other games. And I, I do like that as a- Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that game now. Yeah. I think in a game like this, that could be interesting as a transitional thing where may- maybe this is a story of, okay, it starts off in this very nostalgic, like you said, the sort of warm tones. It feels, you know, they- they're not super close with their family, but they've got each other and they're solving these mysteries. But maybe it's set over like a few years and we can bring in some tougher subjects that they end up dealing with and-, and- then the the sort of the view of this treehouse can really represent sort of their view on the world and a bit of a loss of innocence and uh, a yep. shift in their perspectives, especially at that birthday age of twelve to thirteen. You're yeah. going from a tween to a teen. You've got that sort of life shift of moving away from the primary school into into the high school, and it's yep. sort of like maybe it's set at the end of um, primary school, end of primary school, going into high school. Okay, I like the idea then that I'm not sure how American uh, how I think it's Amer- more similar American, how the UK I think it is more similar to ours here where it's like, you know, sixth grade six, sixth grade, end of is the last one of primary school, and then you generally sort of move into a high school at year seven. Um because for those people um who aren't from Australia, like we actually only have the two schools. We don't have a junior high and a high school, like and yeah. there's no such we don't, we talk, don't about talk about freshmen fresh. or yeah. seniors and all this sort of stuff. No. It is literally prep to year twelve. Prep one, two, three, four, five, six, and then you well, which leave is that different school for, and you go to high yeah. school and Because even that, like for seven, them, eight, nine, for 10, them 11, prep for them prep is kindergarten and then like, because our kindergarten is actually preschool. Anyway, it's- Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a whole thing. Uh, so, what I kind of like then is, yes, in a way to represent that, like you have- And again, we, we like to do this sort of start with the, with the status quo and then shift it up, which I don't know, it's a classic sort of sort of move. In, in sixth grade, they're kind of the heroes of the school. Oh, in, yeah. Like people come to them- to solve problems they're like you know they're just they're smart kids you know they've solved things for the teachers they're like kind of get special treatment and stuff like everyone loves them and then they go then they go to high school oh yeah they've solved they've solved the the football case like they solved it, the it football turns, case it turns out that it was a new student like just a new preppy yeah just came yep. in he was k- terrified the ball when through, it happened terrified and and the um, principal was like no oh, it'll be fine and then charge the charge the parents like a whole heap of money to fix the yeah it'll be fine we'll it was a thing press but- charges against the the five year old and you know, whatever uh, so anyway then then I think yeah they do go to high school and they're basically they're looked down upon from everyone and their older yeah. sibling is like in year ten or year year eleven you know a few years ahead and basically embarrassed by have them. them yeah. yeah and they're sort of trying to they start off trying to do the same thing help solve people's mysteries and they're all chipper. Hey, seems like you've got a, a problem there, mate. Do you want us to solve it for you? And they'll just, just like, fuck off. Punches them in the stomach. <laughs> exactly. Steals their lunch money and, you know, it's like, now's the case of the missing lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, see, they keep trying to see the positive light on it. The, the sister's like, the sister's I'm like, just seeing, oh, Timmy, I'm do you want me to solve the case of, of why your tummy's hurting? 
<laughs> I'm just seeing like the first thing that you know they see a case and it's like the case of this, and then they get punched. And it's like the case of this. <laughs> I love that coming up in the UI. Like, yes, you've seen that a couple of times already. You've seen like the beginning of the game, you know, the case of the soccer ball through the window. And then, you know, you see, I don't know, one, there's like a home, one at home on the morning of, of high school or whatever of just like the case of the missing left shoe. Um, <laughs> the case of the, the case of the missing breakfast. Daddy <laughs> didn't, didn't get up and make it for us. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all just like, chipper and it's like so i guess i guess we solve this by pouring ourselves some cereal and like there's a little scene where you gotta go around and find all the milk and the spoon and wash a spoon i'm I'm just i'm picturing that everything just pauses as like this this flash card sort of comes up you know sort of blows out a little bit in the background it's this big white writing case of this and it's like and then you know they continue on from where they were talking but yeah i think it looks like i think it looks like the the a chapter in Oh, like Hardy Boys or a Fancy fa- Fancy Five, a Fancy Five, uh, Fancy Five fan- or Secret Seventeen. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, book, yes, and and yeah. I'm just s- now picturing they get punched in the stomach and they're just like bent over and it pauses and it's like the case of the sore tummy, <laughs> <laughs> the case of the blood in the urine solved. <laughs> <laughs> it's immediately solved. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something about that that, like, I just I love, and you could play with that trope trope a little bit more, and then you know it gradually goes away. You sort of realise that this is just a coming of age story, and they're, yes. they're learning how to. But they still, I think they need to solve a mystery at the high school then that has higher stakes. The chemistry teacher is cooking meth. Uh, yeah. Okay. Or you or know, something it, like- it's basically it's it's national newsworthy sort of stuff that they yes. actually end they up solving. They discover, yes, exactly. They discover some smuggling ring of of drugs or whatever coming from the chemistry department in the school. Yes, yeah. Uh, that's and- the end, that's the end result essentially. Yeah, because I, I think then everyone sort of goes, "Wow, these these kids are actually you know." And I think they start fighting they mean business <laughs> because I think there's that turn like. They get to high school, you know, they solve the case of the sore tummy. They solve a few more cases like the case of the missing lunch money or the case of <laughs> why is my school bag in a tree? Um, <laughs> the, the case of the shoe print on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> the case of the wet hair just after they get swirlied. <laughs> <laughs> Gross, yes. Uh, and I think, like you said, I like the idea that as each of these happen, we there's some there's something we do where it's it's obviously getting less. It's less intense every time it happens, or it's less nostalgic. It's less enjoyable, and the the color grading is just very ever so slightly dropping. Yeah, and this could even and just going be towards a- blue over hours, like of just uh, this. Yeah, I think it depends. If if you if we were able to come up with enough interesting content where you're developing these relationships and doing different things, I don't know if it would be hours, but it could be over half an hour or an hour, like enough that it's slowly it's slowly happening and you're not noticing it as as yep. such. Uh, and then yeah, but like when you solve that last crime, it immediately jumps back up to oh yeah 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 you you feel like you feel like primary school children again. Uh, 
But yes, I think and, and the player would then notice like, oh, things are happening and it's not coming up with cases anymore. And now it's sort of, there's a bit more of a tradition, like it's moving just into, yes, this sort of coming of age story. And, and I think one of the siblings is, is feeling it a bit more and kind of fights back against, like they don't want to investigate the crime when they do stumble onto some evidence for this drug ring. Um, I, I'm kind of going towards like at high school, there was- Especially for me, going coming out of primary school where I wasn't the most popular kid in school, but I, I certainly wasn't, you know, bullied at all or anything like that. But high school was where that all started. Mm. Basically, there was a lot of bullying and all this sort of stuff. I kind of like the idea that, you know, the boy is experiencing a lot of this. Like, the boy twin is is really getting depressed because of, like- He's getting anxious, not wanting to actually go to school and just, mm-hmm. you know, sort of shine a light on the fact that <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. there's no support network out there. And there certainly wasn't in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of like you were left to do well, and everything again, on your own. It's going to play into that whole middle child thing where the parents kind of, they're too overworked. Like, they don't have the time to really listen to them. You know, they've got the older kid who's who's finishing high school and like getting ready for to try to whatever get get a job or go to university or whatever different things. They've got the younger kid who's still you know fairly young and, and needs a lot of looking after. And so you you are these siblings are seen as well look, like you're thirteen. You know, you can kind of take care of yourself for the most part, get yourself to school, get things ready, whatever. And so yes, they're they're definitely feeling uh, neglected there in that way. Uh, and yes, I think that could be a good opportunity to really to really explore that age and yes, the effect that bullying can have. And- but but I'm also now seeing that you know at some stage when the father realizes that you know the boys come home with a black eye and all this sort of stuff, he sort of takes him takes him aside and and sort of actually say, you know, find out what's going on. So you know, oh yeah, once it gets serious enough, yeah. And then I'm just picturing that you know he sort of brings out like a. a Maybe maybe a vintage photograph album or something like that, and just showing him, you know, that a photograph. His, this is a photograph. He's he's almost like a um a spitting image of of what this what this kid is, and yeah. you know, he's he basically says, yeah, I got bullied, but I promise you, it gets better. Mm. Like, yeah, look, I think we can we can definitely have some support coming from there. Um, just when you think that there's no support there because, you know, there's so much other stuff going on in his life, but, you know, then when it, when it really comes, when push comes to shove, mm. you know, he's going to actually be there for his, for his kid. Yeah, for sure. And look, I think it'd be interesting to have a bit of a mentor figure in the school as well, or at least a, a support figure there, like perhaps, you know, the vice principal or something. You know, Every time that I start thinking of a support figure, I think it's just going to be the chemistry teacher and the chemistry teacher is just going to end up being the bad guy all well, along. Look, that's all right, though. That's a good- That's a good it's little- It's a trope, but it's like- it. It's also, you it's know- enticing. It's, it's an enticing little story. It really is. Know, story uh, hook. Yeah, I, I, I do like that. And, I mean, as we often tend to do, both dialogue-driven and, and inventory-driven sort of adventure game, perhaps, but, but I'm picturing sort of a- a third person 3D ish sort of thing. Maybe with some yep. like, maybe you can actually like switch back and forth between the twins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's- and solve some problems, like solve some issues that way, um, some puzzles um, well, that way. Well, I'm thinking that they do their own investigations in the classrooms that they've been sort of sent to. And I think, given that's set in the 80s, you do have, you know, she's been sent off to home ec and she's going, why the hell am I being sent off to 
to this, like yeah. this whole sexist segregation thing, you know, is just horrible. And he's he's there in woodwork and he goes, I just want to be in a home ec and learn how to cook because I love to cook. And, you know, having that juxtaposition. Of, yeah, for yeah. sure. But then, yes, that they, they use those times in those classes to, like, find out some information that leads to, leads to different conclusions, uh, essentially. God, I'm just remembering textiles now. I'm like, Jesus Christ, we did that too. It was like- it was, the, the main thing I remember from classes. textiles is the time that someone, like, put their hand through the sewing machine. It got a good good jab from that fucking needle. Yep. I still uh, don't know how to- how a sewing, sewing machine actually works and how you can have a thread coming in from the top and yet somehow it all stays together like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if you looked at the, you know, Wikipedia page for it, you'd probably figure it out. But, uh, yeah, it is it is, it is is something Fuck. that- it's, I mean, it's cool engineering. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, chemistry teacher meth, they solve it. Yep. Everyone loves them. I love it. That That's- Literally one of my favorite games that we've done. And you know what? That's one that we couldn't actually make because no. I think it'd be just a little bit too hard. That That's a big- That's that's a, a lot of art direction in that a lot of, you know, content, voice acting, story stuff that we are not capable of. Um, yeah. Cool. Three, two, one, click. But it talks about bullying, which is, which is one of my biggest pet peeves. Fucking kids. All right. Uh, three, two, one, click. Mm-hmm. Assuming continent. Mint misfortune. Ooh, mint misfortune. Hello, I'm Lady Mint Misfortune. Is it is it mint as in spearmint or peppermint, or is it mint as in money? Mint, Minting a coin. Like- oh, mint misfortune, yeah. Well maybe yeah, maybe this is something to do with like rare coins that had like a miss pr- or misprint, as it were, or or a um you know, uh, the the mold went wrong in some way, and it's it's around like that's our MacGuffin is is sort of the the rare set of coins that only you know fifty were made before they stopped the printing, mm-hmm. the minting minting press. I don't know what it is. Um, the minting machine. Uh, and then yes, that's that's essentially. I'm our- thinking is is like one of those simple things of a misalignment of a plate. Hmm. So it's. It's, you know, just got a little bit more border on one side and, you know, it, the image is sort of cut off on the other side. Well, and it shifted it a little, you know, uh, and I'm making this up, but, um, you know, they, the, they've they got a separate plate for, like, the highlights and the lowlights or something of, of the image on the on the coin. And so, uh, it makes the queen kind of look a bit like Voldemort. So, it's, it's sort of just shifted just because of the shift on it. And so, they actually- Get known as like the coins who should not be named. Um, that's sort mm. of their little slang term for for talking about this this small set because they they tried to cover it up essentially. Uh, the, the employees at the mint, yeah, but yes. but they got out and they've, they've been prized. You know, their prized possessions of collectors. Basically, if they can get they their hands almost on almost mythical, right? Like they are, yeah. And there's a lot of forgeries going around and that sort of thing. But uh, they, you know, that. The the real uh, experts know exactly, you know, they've they okay. like to have seen them. So, you said 50 before. Mm-hmm. 41 of them have been collected and there's nine left. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's just something about, like, 
you know that you got the majority of them, and you know oh, now they've really been crossed. collected by one collector. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I'm I'm just saying that there are nine left out in the world. Right, just unaccounted for in sort of the coin collection collectors. So, uh, 41 have been collected and destroyed. Oh, and just- Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, it's actually driving the price of these up because people know that there's only nine of these left now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it's maybe set over, like, a long period of time. So, you you first come in as, as like, a, a young investigator whose whole job is to basically go around- and well, are you, are you an investor? Like, I agree that, like, I think what happens is someone comes across this coin, they've got it in their collection, but then, like, there's some mysterious person who always comes and offers them, like, a huge price for it. Oh, kind of like Slugworth. Well, sort of. <laughs> I was definitely getting a Willy Wonka kind of vibe, in a way. Um would you it's, take this golden ticket instead? And listen, it's the, th- it's the theme of the episode, so it's set in England again. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Accidental theme today. Uh, but, yeah, no, yeah, I think it is a bit like that. There's this mysterious figure and they're, they're presumed to just destroy it because they never turn up again. And it's been decades, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and so, yes, not only are they valuable because they're rare, but they're also valuable because there are these stories of, like, if you find one, there's this mysterious collector or person who comes and will offer you, you know, millions of pounds for it. And so, I think you're a collector then. I think you play, you know, yes, initially a young kid, like, getting into coin collecting just by yeah, whatever, finding the particular year that one was printed or minted, um, you know. Yeah your birth year or something, but then you start getting into it over time. And and we explore the dank depths of the coin collection community. The coin collection world. I mean, it's it's just off to the side of the stamp collecting world, but there's like oh, they look a down bit of rivalry there. Yeah. Those stamp collectors, <laughs> pieces of paper. What's this? Um, he eventually gets married to a stamp collector. Um, yeah. You know, Romeo and Juliet sort of thing, except not as not as bloody. Um, and there was no death. Most of the time, yeah. Um, there was that, uh, you know, her, her ex who was also a stamp collector and really did not agree with the this marriage to mm-hmm. a coin collector. He did- Punched sort of- him in the mouth. Like, the first yeah. time he met him, just whack, straight in the, straight in the face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, how many times? How many times did he hit him? Yeah. Three? <laughs> Before they had to pull him off, because- it's just like filthy coin collectors. How dare you, Sully? You're going to make mud bloods. <laughs> Keep the stamp collecting bloodline pure. Uh, he's a nutty. Um. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the gameplay and how we can bring in some of this. Because I, I then li- I like the idea then of bringing in some sort of sorting, finding, going through, you know, people's, like- I'm thinking going through a swap meet and actually having to sort of sort through these coins and- Yeah. And, you well, know, sort of analyse them Or like a, a garage bit. sale where someone's selling their granddad's old coin collection or whatever, right? And it's like, oh, you know, you never know. Um, I don't know but how you make that But then one day he's boring. just walking down the street and he looks into a drain and he sees, like, something glinting down the bottom. I've and got so a golden sort of ticket. Reaches down and it's like 
a you know a dollar coin or whatever, and he goes in and buys a buys a candy bar, <laughs> and the change Good that he gets, gets. <laughs> it's somehow still in circulation. Um, it's somehow like people didn't people just didn't realize, and this is like the well, final and it, one. And it's all like um, it's it's all what's the word? What does the how does the copper in them go or whatever? All the silver uh, oxidized, t- tarnished. It's all tarnished. And so you can't actually quite tell, but he's, you know, he's been looking long enough now, or he's heard the stories, right? You know, heard the stories. So yeah, like there's a, you know, you go home and you clean it, you get the nice coin cleaning stuff to restore it. And ooh, the second that you actually see it, there's a knock at the door. Oh God. <laughs> and it's like, it, it's like you, you're shining it up. And the second that, you know, you actually finish and you take it off. That's when that's when the knock is at the door. Yeah. And as soon as the this- player essentially sees the the clean, untarnished version of, of this Queen Voldemort face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, d- d- is it like they see the back and that's all clean and then they turn over to the to the head side <laughs> and that's when, yeah. you know, that's when the knock at the door happens. And it's just post from Pat. And so, anyway, he goes, he goes back and sits down and looks at it again. And that's when the knock at the door again. It's like, oh, Pat, what did you forget? Did you forget to give me a and letter? And then there's, like- And it's um, Fireman Sam. This guy, this guy with, you know, a bowler hat sort of thing. And he goes, I'm sorry I'm late. Got stuck in the elevator. It's Snape. <laughs> unfortunately, we can't, it can't be played by Alan Rickman because he unfortunately mm, passed away. Yeah, but we can, we can take his inspiration- so, so is it sort of that? I mean, we don't have to explain that here, but like, did they sort of have a lead on this coin and they've tracked it down to that shop and like that, you know, the shop owner identified you as, oh, I must, I must have given that out as change. Oh, I, I think it's one of these things that kind of like in Willy more- Wonka, they never explain how Slugworth gets there every right. single time they find a golden ticket. It's just, you know, and then later on the game, it's sort of like you find out that, oh, no, he works for me. <laughs> for like, who, though? So, all right. So, yeah. let's- Yeah. The, so, the, I, I think it's the owner of the mint, sort of like, or the or the, the grand marshal of the mint. And it's like, no, 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 he works for me. It's the ghost of the uh, of the worker who misaligned the plates and was uh, executed. They're a ghost all along. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what I don't actually know what makes a good resolution there. I, I like, and this is often the problem with uh, mystery kind of stories like this. It's like okay, now we're at least season three or four of Lost, and we actually have to start answering questions. Uh, Let's chuck time travel in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it turns out- No, I'm out saying that's what, that's what the people I know, who lost I, know. <laughs> I just thought maybe we could, since uh, we- Since I don't know where to go next. Okay, is it just- um, It turns out that the the guy who's searching around for all these coins is actually this coin collector from the future who's come back in time to find all the coins. And it's a big cyclical thing of- It's- <laughs> when you're when you're old enough, you'll you'll understand. The coin collector is actually the queen, because it's she's- actually the doctor, and he gets into a TARDIS and just dis- disappears. Yeah, it's actually you know it, it's um, and the Slugworth character was just a- an earlier 
version of him with a different face. What it actually, what it actually is, is, uh, it, someone got stuck here and they're trying to find all of these before Teabag gets them because they're, <laughs> they're, they're special. Perfect. <laughs> How <laughs> did that fucking show work again? You had to find all of the something. Yep. And and if she got got them all, then she could um, do something and you could uh, basically lose. But then if- Yeah. If you so, if you managed so, to get it get it out because T shirt actually helped you. Well, this is the mysterious figure is definitely T shirt. T shirt. Yeah. Straight, like, funnily enough, this is not the first time we've referenced fucking teabags adventures or whatever on this show. Um, and I have all the episodes on my computer right now because <laughs> <laughs> I did happen to find them. Someone put them up. Oh, on that's right. You grabbed them to make sure they didn't disappear. Um, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, sorry, sorry, I did not do that. <laughs> three to one click. Three to one teabag. Competitive drop. Overriding client. I see client and I think like sort of server and client. I'm thinking a hacking. Sort well, particularly of game. with overriding. Yeah. So is, is this a drop in the sense of like dropping some information? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How like QAnon would have a drop. Are you trying to influence world politics by being cryptic and dropping information on random servers? Um, are you finding the dropped information and you've sort of over, you've mistakenly sort of come across and picked up, you know, a, a dead drop of information? You've, you've now got information that, that you shouldn't you know, have, that you shouldn't have. Yeah, it could be- You some- and your flight in the UK because every other game yeah. has been set in London. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, you plug your computer into the wall with, you know, the weird round uh, bottom plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do kind of like the idea of a, a sort of mystery that plays out on your computer in that way, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, that is around- uh, Searching for these next drops and following the clues in that way for to find out who's like who's leaving this information here, and then you know if other people find out you've got it, they're tracking you down, sort of thing. I kind of like the idea of this being like a where in the world is Carmen San Diego, mm. but it's like you're sort of you're tracking down these this spy by following their trail all over all oh, over between like different the- like communities on. The internet. So, yep. in a similar way, I think, and I haven't played a ton of it, um, to what Hypnospace Outlaw did, which is where you're sort of having to- You essentially play it on, like, an, a very classic, like, 90s OS mm-hmm. uh, and, and would just read through forums and different things to solve problems. But I, I think we, we set this in the modern day and it's, like, Discord servers and- TikTok comment pages and <laughs> you have to but search then, through but the then YouTube you, then comments. You, then you go through the YouTube comments and you come across, like, these numbers and you don't kind of understand what the numbers actually mean and, and people keep on people keep on saying, you know, BB or bulletin and it's sort of like, oh, is, is this one of those old BB 
S thing. <laughs> so you have and to like you, you have to go find a ninety six board modem yes, and go and source some an, an old an old school modem. But to get that, you go to eBay or in this case, like um ePay or whatever whatever we you know eTay. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know. E-buy. There E-buy. we go. Sure. E-buy. Uh, so, you go to E-buy and you you purchase, you know, this 96 board modem. And then you've got to actually also purchase, like, a phone line and get that installed because, you know, <laughs> you have a phone line. Who has a landline? <laughs> uh Yeah. And it turns out that they use these BBSs to, for dead drops all the time. Yeah. And because so, and so no one ever now, actually now uses deep, them. Now you're deep in it, and it's it's it becomes a task of finding essentially the the phone number for the next BBS that you need to connect to um, to follow the trail of these drops. Um, who's dropping the information? What is the what? What do we find out is happening here? Is it like the Queen? It's the Queen again, I'm working with okay. Postman Pat, uh, <laughs> Carmen San Diego. Um, is it like, is it something, is there something stupid like it's a, uh. Black and white cat? <laughs> it's Slug just a cat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what I was going to say, is there something dumb like they're, they're like collecting beanie babies or something? Like it's this group of people who are, it's the, the, Deep web of of like they're trading in Teddy Ruxpin dolls. Um, it's the Beanie Baby Secret Society sort of thing. Like that's you know, yeah, that's um, or the Beanie Baby Society. Yeah, this isn't a BBS. <laughs> it's not a bulletin board system. You're connecting to the Beanie Baby Society. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something about that that is just so like, oh. And and you realise that all the, all these things that you thought were people chasing you and all this sort of stuff was just like I don't know either telemarketers or <laughs> well no they're just they're hunting down they see you connect and they're like oh this must be someone who's got some rare beanie babies oh like yeah. they they're coming in they're just lurking uh you know watching all out and their leader Carmen San Diego is that's just a um that's just you know. They it's love the Carmen San Diego's games, and that's their that's their it's handle. Their handle, on, on yeah. Uh, they like the color red. They don't know what to say. Like, they look it in a big, wide brimmed hat. Yeah, they're they're in, they're in the UK. They can travel very easily around Europe. A lot of com- well, less easily. Oh, less <laughs> now. easily now. But <laughs> this is set in twenty twenty two. After after the whole after you know, after the after half the population after. died from the snap. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. That was COVID nineteen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh, that's kind of dark. Um, I think we'll. I think we'll move on. Um, should we do a movie? Oh wow. Yes. Let's do that. Let's finish off with a movie or two. All right. We could maybe play with this. It's not set in England, but we could shift it. <laughs> uh, I have 2019's Juanita. Fed up with her deadbeat grown kids and marginal urban existence, Juanita takes a Greyhound bus to Paper Moon, Montana, where she reinvents herself and finds her mojo. I think I've seen this, actually. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a paranormal entity. Oh, is, 
Was that a just a uh is that actually a parody of Paranormal Activity or is this a like uh knockoff? Uh when was Paranormal Activity first came out? Oh god, I don't know. Okay, it was two years after that it came out, but um Wait, this one came out first? No, this one came out Yeah, okay. Second. Two years after. Yeah. But it, no, it's just a it's just, just a, a knockoff. Just a knockoff. But I, I like the idea of paranormal entity. You can go a, long, a lot of places with that. So, yours was Juanita, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, paranormal entity, um, a woman uh, fed up with her existence, travels moves to- Moves to the uh, UK. Yep. Moves to the UK. Uh, Into an she, old cottage. Where she finds out that her house is haunted, yeah. Yeah. And she reinvents Ooh, herself I, and finds I really like I just- um, there's something about like this tiny little cottage in this tiny little town, you know, her male gets delivered by postman pad every day, uh, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And, you know, there's sometimes her dog kills a cat. Um, anyway, so, uh, I think what, what actually starts happening is in the middle of the night, she gets woken up every morning at like 3 a.m. Like some specific creepy ass time, like 3 3.33. Sure. Three thirty-three. Three thirty-three, and and she's being haunted. By and she's very anxious. Satan. Like, she's very anxious. Like she's been going through hell, and she, you know she moved. She moved half here to get hell. away from half of hell. Sorry, I didn't hear you say half of hell. Well done. <laughs> <sighs> I said she was well, being. I said she was being haunted by half a Satan. That's what you meant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just. And it's, it's long ways. So it's, it's literally just his left. <laughs> it's just Satan's left side. <laughs> or is this like? Is this an onward style? She has it's to communicate with the pair of, of like, It's the back. <laughs> just like ears, some some horns, half of his and horns. an ass. <laughs> And an ass, shoulders and an ass. He, he turns around and there's like guts just falling out onto the ground. It's like, oh my god, so scary. That's gross. <laughs> the ritual was only half complete. <laughs> yeah. Uh- <laughs> right, and she- also, it would cause it would cause a paradox if it ever made to six 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 in the morning, like. I think one day, yeah, I think one day it does. I think one day, like, uh, I think we go through a thing where, yes, she's getting woken up at 3.33, creepy things are happening. Eventually Mm -hmm. she, like, realizes she has to stay up and she stays up to, like, 6.59 and then it clicks over to 6.60, 6.61. And there's, like, tension building and we do it in real time. So there's, like, essentially a seven-minute scene. Where stuff like, and we still have to have stuff happening, but it's like building up to, you know, something's going to happen when it gets to six sixty six. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm I'm just picturing that there's like, um, she sort of set up these cameras in her house, kind of like in Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Um, and she's sort of sitting there, and as it's as it's sort of going through, you see like a shadow, and that camera gets knocked out, and you see it move on. And that camera gets knocked out. And then yeah. it's sort of like, for the next, like, minute, you're literally just staring at the screen trying to see where it's coming from. 
Yeah. And nothing happens. And it's sort of like- Is this a game that's played through these screens a lot, do you think? Like, are we someone um, watching Juanita or like- I, I think I think it's Juanita actually- You're playing Juanita and okay. you get to sort of have your conversations with, you know, the pizza delivery man who delivers the pizza every now and again. And then you get to have your conversations with the paranormal investigator who comes by to actually check out the house and says, no, there's nothing here and, you know, pay me a thousand bucks. Um, I just think that maybe she starts to sus- suspect that it's just someone in the village who doesn't want her there. Mm. Mm. But then I, I kind of like the idea of, you know, she keeps on seeing like a man in a hat. Okay. And she, she just thinks, oh no, it's just, I, I just need to set up this thing because of, you know, it's just a coincidence. I like the idea that this guy in the hat actually turns up mm-hmm. and then gets, you know, lifted up into the air and like, crushed like torn apart or something. Yeah. By a shadow, basically. And she goes, oh shit, no, this is actually real. And that's when it ticks over to 660. Yeah. 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 I'd love to see that in a game. Actually, I'd love to see a scene where you, cause you could do it, you know, relatively easily. It's one of the benefits of doing CG stuff, essentially, or, um, you know, game engine stuff is, yeah, you see them being picked up, but like the shadow of them, you see the actual figure doing the grabbing, yep. but their, their actual form is invisible. Um, that'd be really cool. Yep. Um, and then that's just like, it hurts my head when, whenever I think about something like that. It's like, what's blocking the light? But why is the light not like <laughs> yeah. showing up? Like it just, ah, it's a paradox. <laughs> I like the idea actually from just a game UI point of view. Maybe you actually set this over a relatively short amount of time. Maybe you set this. I mean, you maybe give a bit of the backstory or something, or maybe you, you, you introduce the backstory in other ways, but I kind of like the idea that the clock has been on the screen the whole game. So it's sort of just become part of the background. Yeah. So then when it does click over to 660, like it's this super kind of creepy because it takes you out of then like the reality shift of, oh, wait a sec, that's not meant to Ooh, happen. I'm, I'm picturing that one of the nights she wakes up and it's like 3.33 and then, you know, she's looking around, she looks back and it's seven oh seven oh seven in the morning, and like it's light outside. All of a sudden, you know, it's it's sort of like, where did that time go? And yeah, okay, yeah. It's that weird thing of you know, has she actually lost time? And then you can actually go back to view the footage, and it's it's sort of like you see her just sitting in bed for like four hours straight, and yeah. then she slowly turns her head throughout that entire four to look know, at four the clock. hours. To look at the clock. Yeah. And it's like the creepiest thing. <laughs> That's cool. I love that idea of you'd never mention, yeah, she's getting woken up at 3.33. Stuff keeps like, she essentially keeps snapping back in different ways to reality at 7.07. And you leave it obviously up to the player to realize like, that, that wait a sec, 7.06 is 6.66. <laughs> if you keep going. Yeah. So that. Because then I love that idea, actually, of once all the shit's gone down, like, and it hits 666 and there's a minute of chaos or whatever, it clicks over to 707. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it just repeats again. I kind of think- Or that's the end of the game or something. Like, maybe, maybe like, at 666, she, like, fucking exercises this entity out of her home or something. 
and then yes, yep. it clicks over to seven oh seven, and like that's the literally that's the last shot of the game is like it clicks. Yeah, over and then the credits roll, and then you see later that night, just as it, um, you know, I, oh, it's got to be one of those flick. You know, those, those oh, yeah. old like, clocks that actually like flick down. It's got an actual physical number that, like, yeah. Yep. And it's you. it just sort of goes over to, the, over to the clock and it just holds there and it's at 3.32. And it just holds there and then just goes to black. Like, you, it never quite- You see it, start, you it see starts it start to, to drop. Fall? And then it goes to black. Like, you don't, you don't know whether she actually uh, woke up again woke at 3.33 or whether-, whether this is actually over. Yeah. Okay. That's I, cool. I also, I liked the idea actually before of of having a moment where messing with the player, because you know where the player's looking like, that just for literally like one frame as they pan across to the clock, it's showing like 666 or, six, you know, or something, you know, uh, but then immediately flicks to the actual time. Uh, just doing some fun stuff with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and and you know, it, it's just she's just trying to trying to live in this in this town, and she's just trying to reinvent herself. She's just trying yeah. to yeah be be a new person, find new friends, figure out what she likes, figure out what her life it, is. It's, it's the whole Stardew Valley with a lot of horror and set this, in yeah, her house. This fucking entity keeps <laughs> waking her up. Um. um but yeah, I, I, there's something about that old type, that old style of clock that just, you know. Oh yeah, you can do a the, lot the of playing. Sa- the sound of the of the that. of the number sort of going down. Well, and even just little little uncanny valley things where there's sort of a very natural, like those things just fall right with gravity. Yep. I can just imagine you shifting that so it almost it's it's falls, but it like instead of you know, accelerating due to gravity, it like slows down. It just falls really <laughs> like it just it just goes over to the next number like too slowly, as if yep. it's it's almost being controlled rather than just a little sort of getting a little push and flicking over. Uh, that, that's six sixty four to six sixty five. It starts falling straight away, and it just over a minute it just falls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like that's just so creepy. Oh yeah, I think that's it. I think during. You know, those seven minutes between 659 and 666, like there's some weird fucking shit happening with the clock and with different One things. of them folds sideways. And it's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> it's like, the clock's like folding oh, you, in on itself. You know, you know what it is? It's, it's the, it's the five. Uh, you know, in the six fifty, yeah, you know that folds sideways and and, and you know it becomes a six. Well, basically, it looks like a five, but it's kind of closed off that that right little part. Um, yeah, you know, kind of you know the five looks like a six without without the closed off part. <laughs> well, and I just I actually love it as a physical clock because then it is it makes even less sense. Like it's even creepier. Like that second to last number shouldn't even have a six in it, right? It shouldn't yeah. physically exist. And that's why in when there. you see it actually just fold over, and it's just this tiny little part that just folds over and just completes <laughs> the six. <laughs> just looks like a five that's closed in. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. All right. Yeah, I love it. I think we'll end the episode there on that haunting note. 
<gasps> well uh, done, Ben. Oh my god, his fifty thousandth pun. <laughs> <laughs> That was barely even a pun. That was just a segue. Uh, <laughs> if you want to find the rest of Where's this confetti coming from? I don't understand what's going on. 50,000 puns. Uh, that's a lot for 261 episodes. Yeah, 200. It's like a, what is this, 230, is it? 231. 2.30? Oh, yeah, wait, I don't know. I'm, I'm, did I say 260? No, wait, yeah, yeah wait. No, 230, yeah, 230 something. What? Anyway. Yes, 230. Um, I'm getting 30 weeks ahead of myself. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm sitting, I'm literally, I'm literally sitting here, I'm literally, I'm literally sitting here in my head trying to figure out how many puns per episode that is. Uh, <laughs> I have to do it now. Uh, that's 217 puns an episode. So I'm not- I'm That's not how many sh- we've cut out. Like- Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. I didn't realize you were counting the ones we cut out. Yeah. Uh, we leave many, many hours of me just out. making bad puns on the cutting room floor. Yes. If you want to find us online, leave us a review. Tell us how many puns you like per episode. Uh, go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Uh, find us there. Le- yeah, leave a review. Let us know. Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And also, we'd love to thank the wonderful musicians that crewed us for letting us use the song Mount to Find Stuff, the album Containment Failure, as our theme song every single week. Every week. It's just so generous. It really is. I mean, not at the start. Like, they, they gave us an old song of theirs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, go back and listen. You'll... Heavy space. Uh, yeah. So, thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. <laughs> I'm Trevor Scott. The case of the missing ending. <laughs> <laughs>